Everyone follows someone, and someone is following you. Everyone follows someone, and someone is following you. But don't you ever wonder where we're all going? Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite set of movies has always been Back to the Future. I love the Back to the Future movies. Uh, and when I was a kid in particular, I loved the middle one. You know, the one where they go like way into the distant future, the futuristic land of 2015, right? It makes you feel a little bit old, doesn't it? Uh, in, in, in 2015, apparently, they have, you know, trash-powered flying cars and, and hoverboards and, and all these kinds of things. And I remember as a kid being spellbound by this, these pictures of what the future might hold. And I think, I mean, for many of us, right, we, we're curious, aren't, aren't we? we? We want to know, what is it going to look like in another 30 years? Or, or in 100 years? Or 500 years? What is the world going to be? Well, we don't know. But we do get a glimpse. Just a little bit of a glimpse when we look at the people who are coming after us. So if you're in your 60s or, or older, look at those who are in their 40s or 50s. If you're in your 40s or 50s, look at those in their 20s or 30s. If, if that's you, look at our teenagers, teenagers, look at our elementary kids, elementary kids, look at our nursery. Everyone follows someone, and someone is following you. Now, I don't say this to sort of put all this kind of pressure on those who are younger. It's very easy for those of us who are older to kind of look, look at those who are younger and say, well, it's all up to you, right? Good luck, right? Uh, the reality is, that, I mean, that's not what I'm saying at all, because for those who are older, regardless of who you are, we're all older than somebody, we are responsible for those who come after. Our responsibility is to them. Do you remember how the, the second Back to the Future movie opens? Anybody remember this? Uh, they just returned back to the present, you know, 1985. And, and Marty McFly is there. You know, he's got the new, like, Jeep thing or, or, or whatever. And all of a sudden, in, in drives Doc Brown uh, in his time-traveling DeLorean. And, and he says, Marty, we, we've got to go back. Back to the future. You know, he's all kind of crazy and wild. And he says, it's, it's your kids, Marty. Something's got to be done about your kids. Remember this? <laughs> okay. All right. Somebody at least. Because if, if you know the story, like the plot of that one is that Marty's son in particular has become just a little bit too much like his old man. And it tends to happen doesn't it? So what will the future hold? Will the people who come after us, will they believe in the same God? Will will they know him and love him? Will, Will they understand who Jesus is? When all of us are gone, I mean, will it all just sort of die out with us? Who will be left to believe when you are no longer here? The greatest area of influence in my life 
For, for the good of our world uh, and for the glory of Jesus, my personal area of greatest influence is not up here. It's not as a, as a pastor at this church. It is with my two kids. Because there is no one on the planet that I will impact more profoundly than David and Eden. Whether I like it or not. Because they are always watching. And they are likely to be around long after I'm gone. So where am I leading them? Yeah, but, but Nathan, some of you might be thinking, my, my kids are, are grown, you know, I've, I've, done, I've done my duty. Or, or maybe you say, well, I don't, I don't have kids yet at this point. What, what does this possibly have to do with me? Are you sure you don't have kids? Look around. If this is your family, your church family, if this is your home, your, your church home, then you've got kids all over the place. There's, there's no shortage. These are your children. These are your students. And we are responsible, all of us, for one another's faith, regardless of who you are. Regardless of how old or how young you are, we are responsible for each other's faith, especially for those who come behind us. And so when we're all dead, pleasant thought, right? Who will continue the redemptive plan of God? And while you are still around, what are you going to do about it? Turn to Deuteronomy 6 if you've got a Bible with you. It's right at the beginning still. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Last week, we began looking at this great book. Remember, this is a, a sermon uh, that Moses gave to the people as they are about to enter the land, the land that God promised to them. And if you remember, all those people who are about to enter, their parents had completely blown it. And this next generation, as a result of their parents' mistakes, have been forced to roam in the desert 40 years. These children, now adults, they know the disaster that comes when an entire generation rejects God. And so Moses is trying to set this next generation up for success by reminding them of God's laws. And last week we said that, that God's laws are for our good all over the place. If you're reading in Deuteronomy with us, all over, we read these words, that it may go well with you. All over the place. And, and go well is the, the same language that's, that's used in Genesis, talking about the goodness of the Garden of Eden. God's rules are for our flourishing. We ought to thank God for his rules in our lives. And now we're in 6.4. And this is one of the most uh, influential sections of the entire Old Testament canon. For centuries, it's been called the Great Shema. Uh, Shema is the first Hebrew word in uh, the sentence. It just means hear or, or obey. It was actually the only verse that I memorized in Hebrew class. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Sounds smart, doesn't it? Huh? Huh? 
Well, my, my Hebrew is, is absolutely terrible. Uh, but essentially what, what, what Moses is saying there is, listen up, Israel. Listen up. Our God, Yahweh, Yahweh is one. He is the only God. Look at it in, in, in your Bibles here, 6, 4, Deuteronomy. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In verse 5, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And there are two big things, I think, that God wants us as his people today to hear from this great Shema. Love God completely and pass on his love constantly. Love God completely and pass on his love constantly because it's true, everyone follows someone and someone is following you. So, so it begins off, Israel, hear this, okay? Love God completely. That's essentially what Moses says, that there is only one God, one Lord, one Yahweh. Uh, there are no other gods, no other paths, no, no other um, religions. Our God, Moses is saying, is the complete package. He is the only one. And, and here is the very first time in all of our Bibles that God commands his people to love him. And not just love him, Love him completely. I mean, love him with everything that we are, heart, soul, strength. And in this context, we know loving God means listening to him. It means fearing him with reverential awe. It means obeying him with faith-filled diligence. He commands us to love him. And Jesus in the New Testament he would refer to this as the greatest commandment. In the Gospel of Mark, for example, uh, a lawyer comes up to Jesus to try to find a little bit of a loophole. Uh, and this lawyer, he says, says to Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And then Jesus adds this. He says, the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Love God completely. In the language there, the word love, is the, it's the Hebrew word ahavta, uh, which carries with it this, this sense of deep affection, like, like this emotional tie. It can be used in Hebrew to talk about romantic relationships or, or familial love or, or love between friends, that God commands us to love him like that. And, and not just love him sort of like, like everything else that we love, but love him with everything we are. Because we all, we all love a lot of things, right? And a lot of people. I love pizza, Ben and Jerry's. I love uh, sitting outside on, a, on a, a warm day, starting to crave it this time of year. Uh, I love my wife and I love my kids. And oh yeah, I also love God. Well, no, that's, that's not what God is asking for in this command. He wants to set the stage for all of our loves. He wants us to love him in everything, in all of those other loves, and with all of those other loves. And he is the one who establishes the priorities for our loves. 
And really, if you think about it, we always obey what we love, don't we? Or what we love most. We always fall after that. And if he is first in our affections, how can we not pass his love on to others? Because really, you can't help but talk about the things you love, right? I mean, young lovers, they don't shut up about each other, right? And parents, we're the worst, right? We talk about our kids constantly. Or, or if, you know, KU fans, K-State fans, we're always talking about the things that we love. If, uh, Apple people, right? Max, they're the worst. <laughs> they're, like, they're like the worst proselytes I have ever seen. I mean, Patrick is awful with this. But we all do it, don't we? Every one of us. I mean, if I, if I love a restaurant, I'm going to tell people about it. If I enjoy a good movie, I'm going to recommend it. If I find a new hobby that I just can't get enough of, I am going to tell people about it. If you love something, you cannot help but try to convince the people you love to love it too. You just can't do it. If you love something, you, you cannot help but try to pass it on. And this is the second part of the Shema. So love God completely and pass on his love constantly. Verse 6. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. If you love God, you will share his love with others. If you love God, you will long for those who come after you to love him too. Everyone follows someone. And someone is following you. Where exactly are you leading them? I'm sure your kids might be grown. Or, or maybe, maybe you don't have any kids. Maybe you don't even like kids. It really doesn't matter. Because here in the community of faith, we are one big happy family. Or at least one big family, right? Hopefully we're happy. But when it comes to kids... Regardless of who you are, boy, we have a few, don't we? I mean, I, I did a little sort of looking, just sort of curious as I was preparing this message. We, we did in the, we've been a church here, a campus for six years. And since we opened six years ago, we've had more than 60 baby dedications. We had 15 babies born last year alone. We've had another four since the start of 2013. I mean, every time you look around, okay, no shortage or if you were to, to wander the halls here, go downstairs, or, or in, in the first hour we have our student ministries meeting, or, or look in our elementary classes, between children and students, we have 150 in our classrooms every single week. 150, which, which requires like 50 to 60 volunteers serving every single week. There is no shortage of opportunity 
And we also have a, a growing number, I see many of you doing this, a growing number of families who, who worship together on a regular basis, who, who sit in here and, and engage with us, and that is an extremely high value for us. And kids, I know I'm boring, okay? I know that. I'm not, I'm not naive. Yeah, you're, 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 all of a sudden you started paying attention, right? You know I'm boring, right? It's okay. I know it's hard to sit in here. It's hard for your parents sometimes too, but we believe that it is good. And I love that you are in here. I mean, you are our, our part of our church family, just like anybody else that's here. And it's not, we don't want you in here simply because we think, you know, perhaps naively that you're going to get something great out of the message or out of the music. It's more than that. We think the most important reason for you to be in here is simply to learn how to worship with others. To learn to, to study this word together, what it means to be a community of people. Because if all you ever do is, is stay in your classrooms, we're, we, we don't want to, to subtly communicate to you as you grow up that this faith thing, this Jesus thing, these Bible stories, that they're just for kids. They're just for the, the kids in the classroom. This is for all of us. And when, you, when we gather together to worship, you get to see that we, are all, we all believe these things together. We celebrate these things together. And we want you to as well. And you, you are not simply the church of tomorrow. You are the church of right now. And we need you in here with us. I'm so glad that you worship with us. Even if it is challenging from time to time. And friends, is, is there anything more beautiful uh, than a church packed full of young people? I mean, you look at any crevice of this building and there are kids just everywhere. And kids, it's the responsibility of your parents more than anybody else to show you what it means to love God, to show you what it means to follow him. It is their responsibility. And yet, if you look around, it is also the responsibility of every other person you see in this room. Every one of us. It's our, I mean, that's what we promised, right? Adults, that's what we promised every baby dedication. If you've been with us, we, at the end of a baby dedication, we, we all stand up and we promise together that we will do anything we can to help these families, to love these kids, to shepherd them, to help them grab onto faith in such a way that it will carry them into adulthood, that they won't just leave it aside when they head off. We long to see that. This is our family. And the second part of this, this great Shema here uh, really tells us how to do this. Um, I mean, there, there are no guarantees, obviously, but it's, it's really practical, actually. What, what Moses is saying, how do we pass on the love of God to those around us? And there, there are four things that, that I think he, he mentions, at least four that I, I want to point out here as we look at these verses. Uh, first of all, I mean, we see it right away. Uh, you cannot lead where you are not going. That's, that's the first one. If, you're, if they're coming after us, uh, we at least need a clue uh, where we're going, don't we? Uh, verse 6. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. That's where it begins. It begins in here for every one of us. If you want your kids or your grandkids, your nieces or nephews, your neighbor kids, the kids in your class, uh, the kids that you just happen to see running around in this place, if you want to see them loving God, it has got to begin in here. For every one of us. One helpful resource in this discussion is the book Sticky Faith. 
Uh, it, it really is a must-read um, if you are if you want to take seriously this idea of, of passing on faith to the next generation. In fact, we're starting a, a five or six-week small group discussion of this book coming in just about a month or so. It, information about it is in your in your welcome folder. But this is a, it's an incredible book based on a ton of research about how we make faith sticky in the lives of those who come after us. There's one phrase in particular that that grabbed me early on when I read it. It's at the beginning of the book. It's this, when it comes to kids' faith, parents get what they are. It's a little bit scary, right? Now, I mean, we know this isn't always the case, right? Uh, but in their research, a good rule of thumb is that when it comes to kids' faith, parents get what they are. Those who follow us Watch us so closely. I mean, I am regularly amazed at the things my kids remember me doing or saying. Things that I don't even remember, right? And they are becoming little me's, whether I like it or not. But they're watching, always watching. And the young people in your life, they will learn to love God based on how you love God. And so are you living out the kind of faith that you long to see lived out in them? Kids, students, we know you're watching. Be gracious with the grown-ups in your life. We're far from perfect. Be gracious with your parents. But don't, don't let us off the hook either. Now adults, you think about that and think about our role with, with young people, don't, don't freak out about it, okay? Uh, none of us are perfect, and any, any good school teacher will tell you, you don't have to be brilliant, you just have to stay at least one lesson ahead of the class, right? And none of us, none of us have this mastered, not one of us have our faith mastered. There are lots of things that we don't understand, lots that we're trying to figure out, and yet, whether we like it or not, they are following us. So keep these commands on your heart. Second, uh, essentially Moses tells the people to make God talk normal in their lives. I think that's what he's saying here. It's so practical. Verse 7. He says, You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Morning and night, at home and when you're not at home, doesn't matter. Talk about it. Every, every chance you get, make it normal in your life to talk about God, to talk about faith, to talk about struggles. I mean, don't be weird about it. Just make it normal. If all you ever talk about faith with, with those who are younger, whether it's your kids or somebody else, if all you ever talk about it is the three minutes on the way home from church every Sunday, or, or in your Sunday school classroom, or maybe when you run into some kid in the hall, if that's all it ever is, we're subtly, subtly pushing faith to the outskirts. What we're really saying is faith connects here in this building. It connects on Sunday when we do these churchy things, but it doesn't connect to anything else in our lives or in our world. Do we really want to communicate that to the next generation. Instead, I mean, it needs to be normal 
for those who are around us to be able to ask questions, to talk about faith and doubts and struggles, to confess sins, to pray together, to, to give thanks together. I mean, it can be very simple things like, you know, you see a beautiful sunset, it's just saying, wow, I mean, what a beautiful God we have that would make something so beautiful for us to enjoy. Or, or when, when they're struggling with something or worrying, say, let's, let's pray about it. Or when you mess up, which happens often enough of being able to own it and say, you know what, I'm sorry for what I did. Will you forgive me? And can we pray together and ask God to forgive me? Or, or, or serve together and let them know why you believe serving together and caring for others is such an important thing. Or, or maybe even just, you know, when you, when you run into some kid that you've developed a relationship with over, over time, just say, you know, I've been praying for you this week. How are, how are things going? To be able to invest in such a way. And, and kids, don't be afraid to talk about these things. Don't be afraid to talk about them with your parents. But also know that you are welcome to talk about them with anyone who is in this room. with anyone who is a part of our church family. There there is no question that you could ask, no doubt that you could express, no mistake that you could make that would ever prevent us from loving you. That that would ever say, you know what, we don't don't really want you in this family anymore. There is nothing you could ever do. We we long to be a family to you. No No matter what. No matter what. This is part of what it means to be a faith community. I love how Paul sort of summarizes it in in the book of Colossians in the New Testament. He tells the, the whole church, he says to them, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I'm sure it might be awkward at first. I mean, especially if you've if you've never really done it before. But make God talk normal in your life. Third, uh, in verses 8 and 9 then, Moses essentially, I think, he tells us to establish constant reminders of our, of our faith. And some Jewish people throughout history have literally followed these commands, right? Uh, but I think given the previous section, uh, that Moses, instead of sort of speaking literally, he's trying to paint a beautiful picture of the constancy of faith together. I don't think the point is to actually bind them to our hands or to our eyes, to literally write them all out on our door frames or on our gates. I don't think that's what's going on. I think what Moses is saying is that we need to create tangible reminders of our love for God as often as we can, wherever we can. And if you've, if you've spent much time with kids, I mean, you know, kids, kids tend to be very, in the, very concrete and the younger they are, the more concrete they, they are. And when we talk about faith and Jesus and God, it's so abstract, right? It's very difficult to, to be able to grab on. So how can we make, how can you make faith a little bit more concrete for them? Just a little bit more tangible. You know, maybe it's certain traditions that you celebrate at the holidays, different things that you do as a family. Maybe it's artwork that's in your home that reminds of, of something uh, deeper or, or that you can help explain it in such a way. Or, or you know, maybe it's celebrating different kinds of milestones in, in your kids' lives or the, the kids around you. Anything that brings faith to light. I mean, at church, we have a handful of these, don't we? You know, we have a, a cross hanging here. We have a yoke hanging in the lobby. And even, even our five values— um, 
I mean, we, we've always valued these five things, but when we set aside time last year to say, okay, how, how are we going to summarize this? How are we going to make this really accessible? Uh, it was a, a, a team decision to say, let's, let's find words that describe what we value that are concrete, uh, that a kid can grab onto and say, yes, this is what it means, not just to be at Christ's community, but what, this is what it means to follow Jesus, to love the cross, the yoke, the Bible, the church, and the city. We want this to be as accessible as possible. I mean, even little things we do, like the, the kid's note sheet, right, to, to make it a little bit more tangible. Donut holes, okay? Yeah, I mean, why not? Okay, anything that helps the littlest ones in our community begin to grab on to this idea that God is good, that church is good, that faith is a good thing. Even if it's donut holes, even if it's candy, you got to start where they are. So we don't just live it out. We don't just talk about it. We need to find tangible ways to embody these things together. And then the last thing, and really this, this one comes more from the context of Deuteronomy rather than this passage alone, but don't try this alone. Because Moses, he's not merely writing to parents, right? This isn't a parenting manual, this book of Deuteronomy. It's a sermon to the entire community because he knows these commands affect all of us. So don't, don't try this alone. If you are a parent, you need your church. And your church needs you. You need a place where, as a family, your kids can, can interact and can worship together, um, can learn together, can ask questions together, can serve together, can, can meet and, and develop relationships with other families who, who hold uh, similar things, that we do this together as a, as a family to make faith a little bit more plausible. I mean, kids need a lot of adults in their lives to make faith plausible. And if you aren't a parent, or, or your kids are grown, the church is your family. The church is designed to be a family of families, a place where, where the two institution God, institutions God created, the, the, the family and the church, where they overlap in beautiful ways. And when we get to experience that and to live that out, it can be a, a, such a beautiful thing. No matter who you are, someone is following you. And if this is your church, then this is your family. I mean, in some ways, every Sunday is like a, a mini family reunion. We gather back together. And family reunion, we know, right? It's not all fun and games. It's life and community. And you've got the weird uncle, and you've got the aunt that talks a little bit too much. But we, we gather back together week after week because we love each other. Because we want to be together. So who are the kids that you know by name? parent or not? Who are they? Studies show uh, increasingly that, that kids growing up today, they need at least five adults that know them outside of their teachers, outside of their parents, outside of their youth pastor. Five adults who know them, who at least know their name, who are willing to say, you know, how was, how was school this week? What did you do with your snow day? How was that? To, to learn what excites them, simply out of the desire to, to be their friend, to not relegate those who are a little bit shorter to us as unimportant, but as valuable members and to love them and say, I want to be your friend. I want to get to know you. And that, that is one of the key ways, this, this idea of all these adults of, of faith again becoming plausible. For these little ones growing up to say, you know what? 
this person believes this, and this person believes this, and this person lives like this. Maybe, maybe this is something for me as well. Maybe there's something about this. And I know many of you as well uh, serve regularly with our kids, uh, whether with our, our children and children's ministries, or our student ministries. Um, and I, can I just, I want to thank you for a minute. Would you stand if you serve with our children or student ministries on a regular basis? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Let's, let's thank them. I mean, I mean truly, as, as a father, um, on behalf of my family, thank you for doing that. I, we know that that's a, that's a big investment for you to serve over and over again, but I see the difference it makes in my kid's life. I mean, the way they love coming to church, the way that the things that they are learning. So as a dad, thanks. As a, as a pastor, I mean, I, I just get so excited seeing about what our community is able to do together. But listen, the goal of this message is not that you need to go serve in children's ministry or student ministries. That's not the goal. Because we know, I mean, that's not for everybody, okay? And, and that's, that's okay. Maybe for some of us, that is a way to apply it. But we know that's not for everybody. That's not the goal. And the goal of this message or this text isn't merely, you know, be a good parent. It's not a bad idea, right? Uh, and there are things that we can apply from this text to the way we parent, but we're not all parents. So it's, it's, gonna, it's, not, it's not the same for all of us. The goal of this message is simply this, that every one of us, young and old, kid and grown-up, no matter your background, your situation, that every one of us would embrace our God-given role in the midst of this family. That we would own it. That we'd own it with joy. That we would love God completely. And that we'd pass on his love constantly. Everyone follows someone and someone is following you. Where are you leading them? I love the story of, of Jesus in the Gospels. Um, when he, he's teaching, you know, doing his thing. Uh, and, and the crowd is beginning to form. And I don't, I don't know why this particular day was a unique one, but for some reason, uh, all these kids kept coming up to him. You know, I'm guessing it probably happened a lot, but that one in particular. Um, and, you know, it can be distracting maybe, or, or maybe, I mean, he's the son of God. I don't know if he was distracted, but certainly it would be a distracting environment. And yet, here, stand up his disciples, you know, and, and they sort of as self-imposed bouncers begin pushing the kids away. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. He says, let the kids come. Let them all come. And then he says something which, especially in that culture, but even in ours, would have been absolutely shocking. He says, in fact, you disciples, you could learn a thing or two from these kids. Because if you don't come to me just like a child then you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus came for the least and for the littlest. And he gave his life. He died and he rose again so that we could enter into this life, but not just life for ourselves, but life together. And all that that means for us in this community that he has chosen to build. And he's not concerned with our comfort but he's concerned with his mission continuing to move forward in the hearts and lives of each and every generation. We long to see that more and more. So how do we do this? I don't know. We're trying to figure it out. We don't know. 
But I do want to invite a, a few people to come and join me up here. Um, guys, come on up. Uh, just to have a little bit of a conversation as we close our time uh, about what this, this could look like. Um, none of these people would claim to be experts, um, but they are seeking to live this out. Um, and so they're going to they're gonna come up here. Thank you, sir. And, and we intentionally picked uh, these three individuals, uh, one for their awesomeness, or at least what we think to be their awesomeness, and two for the, the variety of experiences uh, that they embody here. Uh, and so we, we have uh, Corey, who is uh, single, no kids. Uh, we have Clay in the middle, who has three kids, ages preschool through junior high, uh, and Deb, who has, has grown kids. Uh, but regardless of their situation in life, um, I mean, I believe that they're, they're living this out in ways that would make Moses just sort of dance for joy. Uh, and so, Corey, why don't we, why don't we start with you? Um, you have, you've been a part of Christ Community for, for some time now. Um, your family's all in Wichita. And I know, you know, transitions are always difficult, but how, how have you seen uh, this place become your family? Uh, well, the first year moving to Kansas City was very tough, uh, very lonely. Uh, when I found Christ Community and started getting involved, um, I found that the people that I wanted to get to know uh, actually wanted to get to know me too, um, which was so exciting. And so I continued to try to find ways to get involved, to get to know people, uh, which led to women's ministry and children's ministry. Um, and it's just been such a, a pleasure to get to know people uh, and to have them get to know me. And uh, I've been traveling this last month, and it was such a relief to come home, to come and be with all of you, and to have my encouragers and my support system uh, back in place. That's great. That's great. And Corey, uh, you serve uh, every Sunday, or pretty close, um, with, uh, with our toddlers, right? Little kids. Um, I mean, as a young adult, it feels maybe like you should be sleeping in on Sundays. I don't know. Um, but why do, you, why do you choose to do that, to show up early every week so that you can care for our kids? Um, it wasn't intended. Um, when the first couple months that I started coming, Nathan threw me into an introduction with Jennifer and said, hey, she wants to serve in children's ministry. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't really intend for that. I knew you did. Deep down, I knew it. It worked. <laughs> It has been a great way of getting involved in getting to know people, getting to know the kids and their names uh, and the parents' names and being able to see them um, outside of that little teeny room. Um, but it's just been a pleasure to get to know the people and to be able to serve them in that way. That's great. Now, Clay, how about, how about you? I mean, we could talk, I know you, you teach a, an elementary class. Is uh, that third, right? Third grade. Third grade. Well, okay. no, actually, that's not. Sean Kotwitz teaches. Okay. I just try to maintain order. Okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. But let's, let's not talk so much about that, because I, I mean, we could, we could focus there. Um, I also, I mean, you seem to know quite a few kids. I don't know if they're mostly from the class, but I always see you talking to, to little kids and high-fiving and all that stuff. Uh, but let's talk particularly about your family. Uh, again, preschool to middle school. Um, you know, what are some of the challenges that you have faced, you and Sarah, uh, leading your family, um, What's, what's been difficult in trying to live this out? Yeah, well, um, I, I think the biggest challenge has, has been us. And, and what I mean by that is we can, we can see when the kids are acting like us and it's not always all that fantastic. Um, and so just the, the fact that we want to, to try and model that, but I, I, the, 
the other thing, though, too, is that we want to make sure that even though we fail, and we fail a lot, um, that we're failing forward or we're failing towards the goal. And, and for us, the goal for our kids is that they have a, a personal relationship through Jesus um, with their Father in heaven. And so well, I, that's the goal for us too, right? But uh, you know, just the fact that even when we mess up, we want to make sure that we're moving towards that. Um, I, I referenced that um, when I golf with my father-in-law, he has this annoying habit of when I make a really awful shot, which is pretty frequently, um, he says, well, the good news is you're closer to the hole. <laughs> and as, as frustrating as it can be to hear that over and over again in a round of golf, um, there, there's a truth in it. And, and I think that's for us, too. Even though we know we fail, we can, we can say um, our I'm sorry's and, and, and start over again. Um, so that's probably the biggest challenge. Another challenge, too, is just the intentionality. Um, I am, am inspired and jealous and convicted by uh, watching a, a particular uh, drum-playing elder here who we'll just call Joe. Um, <laughs> and how, and I, I believe he's still doing this, but I, he's taking time, I think, on a daily basis with his son to just go through a Bible study. Well, that's... That's not good for us. I'm usually out of the house by the time uh, everyone else is awake. Uh, but, f- but for us, it's more, okay, let, we'll try to capture the little moments. Uh, when we're facing a big decision or when there's something going on, we want to pray. And, and instead of, um, I grew up in a household where, you know, we did things because mom and dad said so. Uh, but instead of doing the, hey, because I said so, trying to ask, well, what does God think about that? Or have you prayed about that yet? Um, and so even though, again, we don't do that enough, and, and uh, as often that is one of the things that um, we have been more intentional about, and, and even though it's a challenge, is, is uh, starting to bear some fruit. That's great. Yeah, thanks, Clay. Well, and Deb, so uh, mother of, of grown kids, um, in some ways, uh, some might say you've, you've done your duty, um, which is probably a terrible way of saying that. Um, because, yeah, because you have ongoing responsibility, absolutely. Uh, and again, we could, we could talk about sort of the, the, your, your class, and maybe you'll mention some of that as well. But um, I, said, I said in the first service, I feel like you probably know more kids by name than maybe anybody else uh, in this church, more than I do, um, you know, more than pr- many of us. And you take that time, obviously, to know the kids' names, to be able to talk to them, um, and they just sort of run to you. They gravitate towards you. Uh, why, do you why do you invest so deep? Why do you take that kind of time to remember all those kids' names? Unfortunately, sometimes the, the names are becoming sweeties as I don't see them. They're growing up and everything. But I think it stems from when I was... Um, growing up myself in the small church I was raised in, there were so many people that took an interest in me mm-hmm. or took an interest in my life, and they would take the time to stop and ask me about that. And in a way, they were discipling me without them even knowing it. They were sharing the love of Christ. And I think that that is um, our role, every one of us, to be disciples. Um, and so I have felt led recently just to be a disciple of two-year-olds. And if any of you have two-year-olds or have ever taught two-year-olds, it's a great challenge. But um, it's a wonderful challenge because they're a clean slate. And they, if we can teach them that basic knowledge of how much Jesus loves them at that age, then it's a building block for the rest of their life. So. Mm-hmm. 
That's great. What have you found um, in your interaction with kids? Uh, what has been something that's been most rewarding or a few things maybe? Well, the, the most rewarding thing is um, to hear from parents if their child will go home, their two-year-old will go home and share something that they actually gleaned from the lesson that we um, shared with them. But um, also, just in the classroom, just to, if a child is crying when they first come in and to comfort them and to help them get into um, our routine and then say, Secondly, just every Sunday, we have them hold a Bible, and in the front page, there's a picture of Jesus, and so they all, we always talk about how much Jesus loves them. And then we sing the song, Jesus Loves Me. It's a, it's a very kind of strategic routine, but again, we want them to understand that. And we have one little girl this morning, um, and every morning, whenever we sing, Jesus Loves Me, she gets so excited that she can tell on the last stanza of the song, her hands are just shaking. And as we finish the song, she just claps her hands and say, yay, you know, she's just so joyful. And it reminds me of how joyful we need to be in the Lord. So, That's great. Yeah. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. Clay, how about, how about you with your family or with yeah. your classroom? What's that, what's that well, like? Well, um, rewards with family, it, it um, you know, to me, the biggest reward has been it, when, <clears throat> gosh, is it doing this? <laughs> the dust when, again? When each of our kids um, prayed the prayer that that only little kids can pray when they ask Jesus into their heart. Um, and that, you know, obviously that's, it's hugely rewarding. And, and when Audrey was baptized, those are high points, but even some of the, the small things, when we get ready to go on a trip and our four-year-old goes, we haven't prayed yet. So we have to pray and, you know, for, for a safe trip. And, and, uh, to see our kids start to, our, uh, eight-year-old Andrew is just excited about this open here. Um, and that's just so deeply rewarding to see him get excited about opening the Bible on a daily basis and get upset when he's not able to, to read it on a particular day. And so um, that's usually rewarding. And then I was reminded again at the end of this last service, um, one of the rewards of, of being involved with um, you guys as kids in, in the, uh, uh, the Sunday school rooms, which, by the way, I'm, I'm not good at. Um, it, it is not... What I would say is my area of calling or giftedness, you should be very concerned that I'm back there teaching or working with your children. Um, I, I joke that I, I passed the background test on the second try. Oh, jeez. Um, but it is, it's rewarding working with your children and the questions they ask. They're smart kids. You can tell they're getting it. But um, I was starting to say at the end of this last service, they, you know, there was a baptism service. And you see pictures of kids that, um, that you know from the, the, uh, the classroom. Does this happen to you? I call those hanky Sundays, by the way, because I sit there then while the music is going on and try and quickly dry my eyes um, before we have to do a, a meet and greet again. But that, that's just so uplifting to see. Wow, it's having an impact. And again, I, I don't necessarily like kids. Yours are, yours are fine. If you're thinking, <laughs> your kid I like, but the others not. Um, but um, the point is, though, it's just extremely uplifting and rewarding. And I would have never have guessed that, um, that, uh, that that would have been part of it. So anyway, there's, a, I guess. A, and let, let me just clarify that we don't do second chances on back <laughs> Okay. Just for the record, podcasts and all that stuff. Corey, how about you? What's, what's rewarding for you? Oh, goodness. There's so many things. Uh, the thing that came to mind was that uh, I had received an email a few weeks ago from a mom who said that she was so grateful um, that I had served that day because 
she dropped off a crying child and didn't have to worry that whole service. She was able to serve um, and do the things that God had called her to do um, while she trusted me to take care of um, her child. And that was just so uplifting to me that we're part of this family and that mm -hmm. we are together in this and that um, it might not, you know, we all work together to get the job done. And that was just so, so encouraging. And yeah. And the kids. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I had a little kid run up and just, like, slam into the back of my leg. Hi, Corey. Hi. <laughs> it's just so sweet, their little faces. It's great. It's great. Well, guys, thanks so much for, for sharing. Let's, let's pray together for them and for all of us as we seek to live these things out. God, thank you so much for um, uh, these individuals up here with me. God, thank you for their faithfulness and the way that they live this out. Um, God, we know. We're not naive. We know they're not perfect. Um, God, but they are, they take your call seriously, and for that we rejoice. And so be with them um, in their areas of service. Help, help Deb with her, her two-year-olds. Help her also with her grown kids uh, as she embraces um, the various roles that you've placed before. God, be with Clay and Sarah and their family. God, help them to live this out. Um, God, with joy and with, with faithfulness. God, thanks for Corey and just her desire as a single woman with no kids, Lord, to be able to pour into lives, to see all of us together as a family. God, what a privilege it is. And God, I pray that you would be with all of us, um, God, in all of our areas. God, for those who don't have kids, Lord, I pray that we would together embrace um, that we do. Uh, if, if you've called us to be a part of your community, uh, which you have if, if we know your son, Lord, I pray that we would, we would grab onto that with joy and that we'd find ways to get to know kids, maybe to serve, maybe not, but to just pour into the lives of those around us. And God, for those with kids, God, that's, it's, I'm, I'm regularly terrified. Um, God, I pray that you would encourage us, parents. Um, give us hope. Um, give us belief that it's not all up to us, um, that you have placed us in a community in which we uh, serve our kids together. God, that you are sovereign in their lives. God, I pray that together as parents we would trust you and that we would be diligent. God, we repent together uh, for the ways that we have been bad parents, sinful parents. Um, I confess, God, uh, but we know that you forgive us. And we pray that each of us, as we step away this morning, would, would come away with a renewed vigor to be able to serve and love our families. And God, for our kids. God, we love our kids. God, I pray that this would be a place of joy for them. God, that they would delight um, and coming delight in being a part, that they would learn, even if it's just a little bit day after day, of what it means to follow you, Lord Jesus. Keep them safe. And give them joy. Help us as we serve them and love them. God, thank you for the many kids, so many that you've brought to us. God, what a joy. Help us now. In Christ's name, amen.